Hello, dear listener. Before we kick off today's episode, I want to lay down a disclaimer. When we recorded this, the Summit Tournament was spicier than a pro wrestling match with all the twists and turns. But now, as you sip on your coffee from your favorite coffee cup, we hit a temporary pause on the action. Yet, fear not. For this episode, still packs a punch as potent as your morning espresso. So, grab your coffee cup and get ready to grapple with insights we brewed up for you. In the world of podcasting, just like pro wrestling, the show must go on. And now, we're ready for some slamming insights. This is what I love to do. I love doing just over-the-top, inane, horrible ideas like this. Because it's a good idea, bringing the whole community together. Great idea. Doing it with you as the figurehead, however, a logistical nightmare. Horrible for your mental health. That, that's sort of just my only real philosophy. I don't care about numbers. I don't care about, oh, this many people stopped watching after this part of the video. I don't care. If someone comes to me and says that they liked something, I know I did something right. If someone comes to me and says they didn't like something, I know I did something wrong. For me, success is that black and white. It is that simple as if people like it, no matter how many people like it, I did good. She is Sophie Adams, the creator and founder of the Summit Tournament. This is Pardon the Lariat, where pixels collide with wrestling passions. The podcast that goes beyond the ropes and brings you interviews with visionaries from the Wrestleverse who share the pivotal moments in their journey to reshape the gaming landscape and build and lead a faction that has your back in the squared circle. I'm your host, Ryan Grapon. Today, how Sylvia Adams set out to construct an Olympic caliber tournament from the ground up, tailor-made for the Wrestleverse. All this and more on Pardon the Lariat. In July of 2023, Zoe Adams found herself in the comfort of her cozy apartment, lounging on her favorite couch, engrossed in the endless stream of tweets on her Twitter feed. As she leisurely scrolled through the myriad of posts, one particular post caught her attention, causing her to abruptly halt her scrolling and focus her gaze. It was a tweet from the Premier Wrestling Network, a widely respected EFET organization known for its innovative wrestling showcases. They had posted a territorial map of the United States, and it seemed they were on the lookout for other EFED organizations willing to shake their claim in different regions of the country. Zoe's curiosity was piqued as she watched with growing fascination, each state on the map being steadily claimed by various EFED entities. Intrigued by the unfolding display, Zoe couldn't help but join the conversation. She replied to the thread, expressing her excitement. It would be so cool to see EFEDs from every state come together for a March Madness-style tournament. Her words hung in the digital air, sparking the imagination of those who shared her enthusiasm. But even as she typed out that tweet, a skeptical thought crossed her mind. Who would be audacious enough to tend to gather so many EFED organizations from around the world, let alone the United States, for a tournament of this magnitude? The idea seemed nothing short of gutsy. Then, as if by magic, a light bulb moment illuminated through her thoughts. Sophie realized that she could be that bold person. She possessed the necessary time and a burgeoning concept that seemed ready to blossom. With determination in her heart and the belief that this idea could be something extraordinary, she knew her mission was clear. She needed to unite EFETs from the United States and beyond, bringing them all together under one banner, one grand tournament. And so, with that spark of inspiration, Sophie's journey began, set in motion a series of events that would forever change the landscape of the Wrestleverse, leaving an indelible mark on the world of sports entertainment. This is the creation story of the Summit Tournament. 
My first introduction to eFeds was, I think a lot of people's, was the channel Forever Movement, FAM. And I found out through them through Goren Perkins, who I watched for their universe mode. And I was hooked. The idea of the people were creating these storylines with this game. I wanted to be a part of it, but so did everyone around that time. But what I did is I found on Reddit r slash games, and I was looking for places to join. And I eventually found a place called CWL, and it was just starting. I was like, oh my gosh, this seems so cool. I want to be a part of it. It'll be just like FAM. It wasn't, but it, it was, I think I had a real lot of fun with it and it got me to where I am today. It's intriguing to observe how many individuals are drawn towards eFeds or call-related activities through their experiences with FAM. As someone who has adventured in this creative realm, although not directly aligned with FAM, do you discover a sense of gravitation when engaging with other eFeds distant from the FAM landscape? Absolutely, I couldn't do Highlight Reel. Uh, I've done, I've not even done a Highlight Reel match. I have scripted one that someone else made, and that was painful enough but CWL it was AI versus AI and I found that a lot better because that's a lot like D&D for me where yeah I make my character and I make my stats but at the end of the day it's a dice roll. and then I learned what min-maxing was and I realized oh some people are using weighted dice this sucks <laughs> but that's why certain places have certain caps for things and at the end of the day I've always found a lot more fun with that where it is sort of random rather than okay let's script out meticulously each spot in a match and then do that 75 times in highlight reel. What's the secret sauce in crafting intricate highlight reels that goes beyond the simple AI versus AI approach, where each movement and camera angle is carefully scripted? I have so much respect for the people that do that, because I know personally I do not have the patience to make a match, much less an entire fed based around highlight reel. I, again, I have all the respect of the world for places that do that. Reflecting on your journey as a producer within the eFed realm, leading up to your involvement with a Summit Tournament. Could you expound on the notion of the tournament itself? Additionally, what drove your inspiration to undertake the monumental task of orchestrating such an extensive eFed production? Yeah, so as sort of my journey to becoming more of a producer role, like I said, I joined CWL. I want to say that was late 2017, early 2018. Uh, timeline is fuzzy, but I, I started doing that. And the first thing I really wanted to do was I wanted to make my own segments for the show. And I started to do that, and that sort of morphed into, okay, I'm going to make other people's segments. And then at that point, I was brought on on the production team so that I could see the booking sheet and I could get started on segments in advance. And then that led to me being brought on as a booker, and then I was pretty much helping run things for a bit. And then I had to take a step back because running a whole fed is hard. <laughs> and I was not able to. I was going into college. And then... I was still working on segments though, I was still making stuff like video packages, and I started to make my own fed that I just streamed on Twitch called WWA, and it was a lot of fun. It was actually a tournament-based fed, sort of similar to what you would see in like the competitive Smash Brothers scene, where we had like a top 10 ranking, we had like an ELO system, but it was also meant to be very fun. Like we had Kenta from New Japan as one of the characters, and he led a stable called Little Jimmy Club because his Bullet Club shirt glitched to just say Lil' Jimmy on it. But I wasn't able to keep doing that because I moved and my Wi-Fi wasn't good enough. I tried doing a YouTube thing for WWC as a spinoff, but again, that didn't really work out. I just didn't have the time. I took a break from actually making stuff. I joined a new fed after CWL ended called CPW, Covenant Pro Wrestling, and I've been there as a producer and booker for them. But as to what led me to actually starting 
event summit was I went on Twitter one day and the premier wrestling network, PWN, I'm not sure if you've heard of them, but I saw them on Twitter, or I guess X now, I'm still just going to call it Twitter. They were doing like a territory map where all the feds were taking place, sort of like the old NWA stuff. And I thought, oh, this is so cool. And I saw how many of the states in America were getting filled up. And I said, like in a tweet, like, it'd be so cool if we got one state to do like a March Madness style bracket. And then I thought, well, who would be stupid enough to get that many feds together for one tournament? It would be preposterous. And then I realized, oh wait, I'm stupid enough and I have the free time because unfortunately due to health, I can't work a full-time job right now. So I have the time, I have the idea, I just need to get the feds together. And that was the sort of the next part. But I actually made sure to message Premier Wrestling Network and fans be like, hey, are you okay with us doing this? Because it was technically based off something they did and I didn't want to steal. But that's sort of how it got started. This isn't the first time I've done a big tournament. Back when I worked for CWL, I did like a mini crossover one between a couple of feds that were in the CWL bubble. There's like four or five feds and we did like a 32 person in Fire Pro. But this is significantly bigger than anything I've done before and anything I expected to ever do. Considering the path you've traveled with a nod to inspiration drawn from Twitter, I'm intrigued by the process of rallying together 44 federations, 80 women, and 91 men, and undertaking that involves combining typically separate EFEDs. How did you manage to navigate the challenge of unifying these diverse entities that often operate independently within the EFED community, where collaboration isn't always the norm? Yeah, so that was one thing for me in wrestling that would talk to me about. It's like, don't expect a lot of people to join or say yes, because, you know, people could be cagey. And this isn't me trying to throw shade at anyone in the community, but it's difficult to want to do a crossover event when you're already running your own stuff, when you've got your own people. One thing that made it easier is, first of all, I started to be handling all of the production, which has turned out to be a small life. I've got together a small production team, but it was volunteer only. But yeah, like they didn't have to do one. All I've asked from feds is their logo, two men and two women competitors, and to invite those competitors to the Discord so I can get their hashtags and their themes, as well as the hashtags for their arena. But I'm not asking for them to produce anything. I'm not asking for them to record matches, and I think that helps get people on board. It's low effort. But as for how I got them all together, I literally went in the comments of the various map posts, because that's where a lot of people got put on the map. I just thought, okay, they have DMs open, I'm going to DM, and I I sent them the pitch. And then they don't have DMs, so I'm going to follow them, and hopefully they follow me back so I can DM them. And then once I started following people, more feds that weren't a part of the map started showing up in my feed. So then I started DMing those people, I'm following those people, and then just sort of ballooned. And another place I went to was the Discord server Blacklist, which is a great Discord server if you want to find logos and face textures and feds to join. And I have a channel called Promotory Feds, and I was like, hey, I'm doing this thing. If any e-feds want to take part, go ahead. And that's sort of just how I got people together, was just sending out as many DMs as possible and hoping people said yes. Like, to give you an idea, you said I have like 44 feds. I probably have equal as many that didn't get back to me. I actually had six that did get back to me, but dropped out for various reasons. So really, it got up to like 50. But it's just been such a strange success because I expected to get 16. I think 16 for something like this is a very reasonable expectation. And then to nearly triple that has been surprising. I have been surprised and honored that this many feds responded to my random cold call DM on Twitter and that I somehow got this together. 
I have been thinking about this one for a while. Are there specific guidelines and regulations for this tournament, such as a minimum call overall, restrictions on certain movesets, or limitations on special abilities? Or do these rules apply uniformly across all E-Feds, or do they vary from one Fed to another? Yeah, and that was something I thought about beforehand because that's the biggest thing. Especially if you're getting E-Feds of different types, like AI versus AI, or Highlight Real or Player versus Player, they're completely different ballgames. What I did was for the first month while still getting people is I had like tentative rules set out and I said, hey, if any E-Feds have any issues with these rules, bring them up and as a group, we'll negotiate so we can get a rule set that works best for people. What we sort of, I guess, came up with is as for all matches are going to be like DQ count out, that's still going to be there. We said 20 counts on the outside was the best thing to go for. There will be time limits for matches and they voted on the time limits. We banned certain paybacks. We banned the run-in payback and blackout. All the rest are fair game. The only move we have banned is wrist clutch assault because it's boring as sin and no one wanted to see that. And I know some feds don't allow submissions, but for now submissions are allowed in the in all forms. Um, as for overall, because that's obviously a big thing, some feds you're allowed up to 100, some feds you're not allowed past 85. I went with the rules I had for my old feds for WWA and WWC, which was depending on your wrestler archetype that you set in the game, like high flyer, technician, striker, powerhouse, whatever the default is for that is going to be your default for the tournament. And we felt that was the most fair way to do it without it being a whole thing of like, okay, people have to re-upload entire cards. It's like, no, we'll just take your card that is already on CC, download them, and just set them to default. And we felt that was the most fair way to do it, to where everyone is on equal footing. Drawing a connection to this, the question arises, how did you address the challenge of accommodating eFeds on various platforms such as PS5 or Xbox X? Did you need access to all consoles for downloading the diverse array of characters? Or did a different solution and merge to ensure inclusivity across platforms? Well, so luckily with this game, there's cross-platform CC, community creation, so we haven't had to worry too much about that. We did have one fed that's still on 2K22, which we have someone as part of a production team who's working on porting their characters over into 23. But as for the rest, the biggest issue we've had is for PC stuff, because PC has access to mods, which really can change and add to the creativity you have for you. But obviously those mods don't work on Xbox or PlayStation. And unfortunately, we don't have anyone in production team that's on PC. Luckily, the people that are on PC have been gracious enough and have been nice enough to you know, remake certain things modeless so that they could be put on cross-platform CC and we would be able to get them. And I have all the thanks in the world for those people because we'd hate to have to say, hey, anyone can join except for PC players. Go to hell. That would just be going against what the whole point of this tournament is. As I delved into the details of this expansive tournament, one aspect that stood out was your decision to incorporate triple threat matches for the opening round. I'm intrigued by how you envision this choice, impacting the overall competitiveness of this tournament. Does this unique format offer an advantage or challenge, and how does it align with your goal of maintaining a level playing field for all participating defense? Because you mentioned the triple threat matches, and that was mainly because we don't have an even number. Like, tournaments usually have an even number. 8, 16, 32, 64, like that sort of times tables. And with 80 and 91, it doesn't really fit in. But we also didn't want to have buys to the next round because then you're getting into stuff like favoritism. What we did to sort of maintain that everyone gets a fair shot is we had triple threats when there would normally be buys. And the sort of balance for that is, yes, you have a harder chance getting to the next round, 
but A, the elimination, and B, you'll get hopefully seen by more eyes because more fans will be a part of a triple threat than a singles match. As for keeping, you know, sort of the, the competitive nature, this is all sort of for fun, you know, like obviously I'm sure there's for bragging rights on the line, but it's not like I'm going to sit here and be like, ah oh, yes, whoever wins this is the greatest E-fan in the land, and whoever wins this is the best wrestler in the world. Obviously they're free to claim that, I'm not going to stop them, but we wanted to make sure going in that every fed got four chances to be a part of it. Some feds did not submit four people, so that that's on them, but every fed's got like, you know, four videos out of it essentially and the rules were as fair as possible to allow anyone to have a solid chance a fighting chance because it would be kind of lame of like oh my goodness only the popular feds moved on to the next round and all of the new feds that are like smaller kind of just have to eat dirt we, we wanted to make it a completely fair fight all throughout bracket and that's also why we've instituted a thing where, let's say two PvP feds go up against each other and they want to do a PvP match for their tournament match, they're absolutely allowed to do that. Same with Highlight Field. If two people go against each other and they say, hey, we don't want submissions because we think that's a little broken. As long as both players agree to it and I confirm it, any match can take place under any stipulation. Now, obviously, I'm going to exercise some restraint. I'm not going to have a 60-minute you know, Iron Man match at the first round. But if people want to do Steel Cage, Extreme Rules, Iron Tables, or some crazy stuff like that, that's totally fine with me. Again, as long as both players agree to it and I can confirm it, it's all good. Exploring the intricacies of the tournament, I'm curious about the process of the bracket allocation. Given the diverse range of EFEDs ranging from the well-established giants to the newer, smaller entities, how do you manage to strike a balance when pitting these distant forces against one another? Considering the mix of veteran and rookie CAWs, how do you ensure fairness and foster growth within this dynamic tournament setting? I'm glad you brought that up because like to give you an idea of the range of people we have, we have one fed here who's got just under 4,000 YouTube subscribers, which for the eFed world is massive. And like, that's, they're not the only ones. We've got people that have got thousands of followers on Twitch, on Twitter, you know, like massive feds. And then I have someone, people in here who have like six YouTube subscribers or like seven followers on Twitter. Like when we said it was open to everyone, it's open to everyone. But obviously, if you're just ranking smaller people with smaller people, you're not, there's not going to be a lot of crossover. So what we did is half of the matches in each bracket, and the brackets are now posted on my Twitter, by the way, if people want to uh, see them. But half the brackets are seated to where whoever is the lowest, like the smallest company, will face the biggest company. And then second biggest, second smallest. And that way it allows for the most eyes on the smaller companies and allows them to grow. And then the other half is just pure randomized. I pulled up a random number generator and I did it completely fairly and randomly with the only exception for re-rolls, which never came up, was if somehow two feds, the same fed had to fight each other. I didn't want that, but luckily that didn't come up. But yeah, it's half, you know, trying to have the most crossover possible so that people can grow and also half just pure, fair randomness. Venturing into a diverse landscape of arenas, referees, and show elements from the various EFED across the globe, a question arises how you navigate this intricate tapestry of unique settings. When it comes to selecting referees, determining arenas, and the potential influence on the match outcomes, how do you approach these elements and strike a balance between showcasing individuality and maintaining fairness within this tournament? Referee, I think, is glitched because I've seen it happen where you set a referee for a show, but it doesn't always work out. That one, we'll see. 
But as for arenas and shows, that is a bit more difficult because we want to use it as a way to show people off. But you can't have two arenas in the same match. What we're just going to do is straight up, we're going to make it a coin flip for home court advantage. And the sort of caveat is in the second round, if someone who got home court advantage last round is going up against someone who didn't, the person who did it's going to get. But for the first round, it's just going to be a coin flip because, again, that just seems like the fairest way to get it. Home court advantage and it shows off more about the Fed. We also want to try and get commentators from the Feds to call the matches. Obviously, people are busy. We won't be able to get that for everybody, but that's something I would love to do. Move in the spotlight to the realm of commentaries. It's intriguing to think about the diverse voices that could potentially shape the narrative of these matches. Considering that each EFED brings its unique commentary team, have you begun outlining potential candidates who can step in to provide insightful commentary, especially when the home team isn't available? How do you envision orchestrating this tapestry of voices to ensure a rich and engaging commentary experience throughout the tournament? Well, the hope wouldn't just be home team. My hope would be, let's say we're having Covenant Pro Wrestling go up against PWN, right? We'd get one Covenant commentator, one PWN commentator, throw them in the booth together. So that way each Fed has someone who knows what they're talking about, talking about it. But we obviously understand some Feds don't have commentary. Some commentators won't always be able to make it. I will be trying to step up and do that where I can, because again, I want to take as much of this on me as possible. But also I do have someone, his name's Quinn, fantastic commentator. I've done commentary with him dozens of times before. And he's sort of like, okay, if we're out two commentators, I've got him as a backup. But, and worst case scenario, I'll find other people but for now we do have sort of a, a mini core of backup commentators but hopefully i'd love to get as many different commentators as many different voices on this as possible considering the immersed workload involved with recording editing and commentating on a tournament of this magnitude the organization must be a monumental task could you shed some light on how you pick the winning horses for your production team and allocate resources to ensure an efficient handling of such a colossal endeavor? I do have a production team and I made sure that they were all volunteers. I didn't force anyone to say, hey, you have to help. Because again, when I started this, I said, hey, I am willing to do everything myself. And I still am. But also when you look at something this big, you realize if I was to do everything myself, we would be finishing this up next August. <laughs> it would probably take all year. I have a team of six recorders. That's me included. So me and five other people and me and one other person will be taking charge of edit and sort of the plan that's been discussed is i will take two other recorders they will take two other recorders and we'll sort of break off one of us one team of three handles one tournament the other team of three handles the other and we sort of work together and collaborate on that and the plan is all the recorders send the stuff to the editors, the editors edit, and then we send that out for commentary. And once commentary is done, it's sent to the feds to either post on their channel or for me to post on a central channel, which will be coming soon and I'm sure we'll talk about later. But we do have a plan in place. I still do not know who will be recording what. That's a conversation I'll probably be having with my production team maybe right after this interview. But we want to make sure the workload was split up. And also, we wanted to make sure that there was no possible biases. You know, obviously, as much as I'm trying to be unbiased, I do rep CPW in some way. I'm a booker, I'm a producer for that show. It wouldn't be fair if I recorded a match, and even if I recorded it completely fairly, if someone from CPW's in it and they won, it's gonna turn some heads. It's gonna raise a couple eyebrows. So, 
having a diverse group, it's like, okay, we'll have the guy that runs this fed record a match that my fed's in, and I'll record a fed a match that his fed's in. And that way we're sort of mixing it up so that no one is recording a match that they would have any kind of bias in. And keeps everything fair, keeps it from there being a twit longer after the tournament's done. Oh, Sophie rigged it against that this fed would win. Hacks. Like, no, I'm not going to record any matches for CPW. People from XWF aren't going to record any matches for their fed. It's all going to be down the middle. Delving into the tournament's name, the Summit. It carries connotations of unity and collaboration. Can you elaborate on the reason behind the selecting this name and the significance it holds within the EVA community? I am not the first person to come up with the idea of Summit for a tournament. Uh, I acknowledge that. I wish I could remember which channel did it first, but there was a channel that did a tournament called the EFED Summit, and I figured this out long after I'd already had logos and stuff made, so there wasn't really a chance for me to change it. And if they hear this and they want to talk to me about it, listen, reach out to me. There, This wasn't meant to be a ripoff or anything. What the name came from is I was talking with my other CPW person because I was pitching them the idea of this giant tournament. And the owner of CPW, Jimmy, he said it would be really cool if we could get all these feds together, but it would be hard to keep that peace. And then my brain started working. Peace. World Peace. World Peace Summit. Like, well, the world leaders come together to discuss stuff. And I thought... Well, this is kind of like that. This is an EFED summit. This is getting all of these EFEDs together to, you know, collaborate on one big project. And it's sort of like an EFED Olympics in a way that, yes, there's competition, but really it's about unity of nations. This is, yes, it's a competition, it's a tournament, but it's about unity of community. And I've seen that in the Discord. I've seen different showrunners giving advice on thumbnails, on editing, on recording software, helping each other out. Because obviously YouTube's algorithm is completely random at times and people need all the help they can get. And I've seen people help each other in Summit and that has been fantastic to me. That's something where I saw that. I'm like, this tournament could go horribly and I'm still happy we at least had this sort of unity of people helping each other. That's been great to see. And that's sort of where it all came from was this idea of a summit of all these feds coming together. And then obviously you get the iconography of a mountain reaching the summit. And that's just perfect for a tournament atmosphere. Concerning the vision for an eventual title and trophy, your aspirations to have a unified title with cross-EFED collaboration is intriguing. How do you envision overcoming the logical challenges and potential biases in creating a title that will be defended across various EFEDs in player versus player matchups, especially given the complexity you faced in organizing this tournament? As for a trophy, that's someone else is currently working on that. It's their project. I can't speak too much on it right now because obviously I, I can't confirm anything. But there has been talks about a real life physical trophy or plaque that would be sent to the winners. But as for a title, Regardless of what happens after this, we want to have a title for the final victory animation. Because it just adds to the pomp and circumstance of the moment. Obviously, what would be the fairy tale continuation of this would be to have like a territory system call, where there's one world title that's defended throughout the different companies. But I am not focusing on that right now, because getting 44 feds together for a one off tournament has already been a logistical night. To have a title that is defended all throughout however many E feds would be even worse. Because obviously, they want to book a match for the title in an EFED, but they might not record or 
upload their video for like another month. And then you also have the issue of like, okay, I would probably have to record those matches and send them in because if CPW has someone come in for a title match, but CPW wins, if CPW records that, again, it's the same thing as tournament thing was going to look kind of sketch. As for that, yes, I would love to do a huge territory system, like old school NWA style, real world's champion type beat. But that is something where that is down the line. I discussed this with all the other EFEDs. We see how they felt about the tournament. Getting a bunch of people on board for a collab is difficult. Getting it for something like this would be even harder. That's something where if the other feds decide, hey, this is something we want to do, I'm all for it. I'll help facilitate that any way that's possible. But if this is something where there that doesn't happen afterwards, I'm not going to lose too much sleep over it because that's less work for me to do. And like, I completely understand why feds wouldn't want to do that. There's a reason why the territory system hasn't really existed since the 80s or 90s, because getting that many companies to work together and have a real world champion is such a logistical nightmare from both a production side of things and also a political side of things. Looking ahead, the scope of the Summit Tournament and the collaborative nature is impressive. Beyond this event, what are your ambitions and long-term goals for the EFED community? You hinted at the possibility of future events, but with the intricacies and potential challenges involved. How do you envision navigating the commitment while considering your health and other uncertainties? Right now, all I will say is my plan is to finish this. This will be finished. I'm not going to give up on a halfway. Is to do the EFED Summit, probably take uh, a month-long nap because I... 22 years old and working on this so far, uh, I feel like my hair has fallen out and going gray already. And then I'm going to be back to working on CPW because I've got a character there, I've got production stuff I've got to do there. And Jimmy's been, Jimmy from CPW has been great about being like, hey, if you need to step away for a bit to focus on this, I understand. I'm going to try and balance both the best I can. But as for if there will be a summit too or, or something next year, I'm, I would love to make this a yearly thing even if it's not the same thing as like a huge single elimination tournament, like to have just sort of like a congregation of all these EFEDs every year would be cool, but I'm not going to promise that I'm going to do it because obviously that's a huge time commitment. And to, to speak candidly here, between this August and last August, my health has gotten very poor. Last August, I was able to have a full-time job. This August, I sometimes can't go to the grocery store without a wheelchair. I don't know if I'll be able to do one next year depending on how my health is. Just to, to speak candidly, you know, put book about it. I would love to, but that might have to be a thing where as much as I'd love to, I can't. Or as much as I'd love to fully produce it, I'd have to give the reins to someone else and just help where I can. So as for what's next for Summit after it, I don't have any concrete plans. My goal is to make this tournament, make it as good as possible and get it out there. And as for what happens next, the world of wrestling is unpredictable and EFEDs are no different. A year ago, the company I currently work for didn't exist and the company I did work for just had its biggest show and then closed its doors. You never know what's going to happen. A year is a fairly long time to change things. I would love to do another summit. I would love to do infinite summits. Uh, but as for what happens next, that's going to be dependent on where I'm at in a year, where this community's at in a year, and we're just going to have to wait and see. Again, I'd love to do something like that, but as for concrete plans, nothing's set in stone. Beyond the realm of EFEDs and the digital space, it's fascinating to consider your career path and the tangible world. Can you share more about your experiences outside the virtual wrestling community? I've unfortunately never had a chance to work in wrestling in real life. I Well, that's a lie. I was a camera person for two shows 
for a company called Chinlock Wrestling. They run out of Kingston, Ontario, and they do charity events. I think they only run like once, maybe twice a year, you know, so nothing super big time. But I was just sort of, because I was just out of college, like bouncing around between other stuff. But it was nothing super major, like, okay, I'm a credit card salesman. Okay, I'm working for Facebook. Okay, I'm working at a coffee shop. It was just sort of trying to find something. But due to mental mental or physical health issues, it became really hard for me to keep a full-time job. And it's something where I have not been able to keep a full-time job since. Because health sucks and it really it makes it hard for your dreams to come But as for what I'm planning on doing, my health will be getting a little better. And starting in September, I'm going to be talking to someone about actually running a radio show which should be fun. As for other physical stuff, I mean, hey, saying you brought together 44 companies for one collaborative business summit sounds really good on a resume. So hopefully this will be able to help open some doors here and there. And I think the biggest thing I'd love to do five-year plan type deal is I'd love to be a commentator for a real-life wrestling company. I've had dozens of people through different feds say like, you know, you do this great commentary and I always hear hate hearing it because I don't think I'm, I'm anything but I keep having people be like dude I wish you were doing actual commentary and I'm like no it would be cool and about a year or so ago I actually did reach out to a bunch of different companies however if anyone knows me or has seen my twitter account you probably know I am transgender and unless your name's Veda Scott you kind of if you're trans you kind of don't get opportunities as a commentator. That's not a dig at Veda. Veda is a fantastic commentator, one of the nicest people from the wrestling business I've met in person. And I'm so glad they've gotten these opportunities. But unfortunately, if you're someone like me, you reach out to a bunch of people and they say, hey, we love your commentary, but we think it might be a bit too political of a stance to have a trans commentator on our show. So that sucks. But I'd love a chance to do commentary for an actual real life wrestling organization. But for now, I'm going to keep talking about my virtual wrestling on the internet. Explain the concept of EFED to those who aren't familiar can be quite the challenge. How do you typically convey the idea to someone who has no prior knowledge of EFEDs? I remember you likened it to virtual wrestling combined with role-playing, similar to Dungeons & Dragons. Could you share how you managed to describe the essence of EFEDs to others who might not be in the know? So, sort of the best way I can explain it is, it was always kind of difficult. I, I described it as like a virtual wrestling thing, but sometimes people don't really understand that. And the best way I can describe it is like, okay, it's like Dungeons & Dragons, but for, for, for virtual wrestling, because you get to play your own character, you know, you role-play the character, but at least for what I do, it's AI versus AI. You don't get to control. You're just sort of role-playing. But obviously for other stuff, if I was to explain highlight reel, I'd explain like, hey, how do these people create their own wrestling matches? But because they can't do so physically for one reason or another, they create them in the video game the same way in real life they script out and create wrestling matches. And for player versus player, I just consider that competitive WWE 2K. And one thing, I'll say this actually as a quick backpedal. One thing I'd love to do, because this is obviously a big AI versus AI tournament, I would love, I would love, love, love to do a player versus player tournament in the style of Summit one day. Because A, that's a lot less recording for me to do. But B, I think that would just be a really cool thing. And that would probably be a logistical nightmare in itself, but I just think that'd be really cool. But yeah, my roommates know I do commentary. My boyfriend knows I do commentary. They are very supportive of that because they know I can't do too much right now get a job and do stuff but as long as i'm able to pay rent they don't really care but they're happy to see me doing stuff that i really enjoy as for parents without getting too deep on this uh interview let's just say that they aren't super in the picture but but when they still were they did know i did commentary for events.
Considering the immersed passion and excitement within the EFA community, how have you managed the overwhelming response in this tournament? It must be quite the task to handle the flood of messages and interests that you've received. How have you prepared to navigate and address the numerous inquiries and enthusiastic reception from the EFEDs and individuals who want to be part of this event? It's been an honor that this many people even care. <laughs> I was expecting 16 feds. I was expecting, you know, Covenant Pro Wrestling, Premier Wrestling Network, some of the homies, and maybe like five or six people off Twitter. But to see that the amount of people are part of this and the amount of people that are really interested and excited for it has been amazing. And it's been truly humbling in a way that this many people like an idea that I do, that they're willing to put that trust in me. But also, there have been some people that have been too excited and have tried to join without feds. And I've had to up verification standards. But, like I said, the response has been amazing. I've not received any super big negativity except for some of the people that I had to turn away because they wanted to join but they didn't own a company. Which, I feel like that's such an easy bar to climb. I mean, it's the eFed Summit. Just have an eFed. Within the eFed landscape, there is both positive and less than positive relationships between companies and the community. Could you shed some light on how you approach the delicate balance between including eFeds that contribute positively to the community while managing the potential challenges of those who might not have the best interactions? How do you navigate this spectrum of engagement and ensure that the summit remains a space of unity and collaboration for all involved? So here's the thing, and I'm going to be open and honest about this. I don't have the ability to vet every single company and every single community we bring into this tournament. At the end of the day, with 44 companies, I don't have the ability to check every chat room, check every Discord, and, and see what they're all about. But we have like a zero tolerance policy for toxicity. So if you see on my Twitter, hey, there's been an update to the bracket, and you see a, a certain Fed isn't a part of there anymore, probably assume that they were starting some stuff that wasn't any good. We obviously know some feds might not like each other, and there's not much we can do about that. But the whole point of a summit, of a peace summit, is to put politics and petty grudges aside and to do something really big for the community. And my hope is that if there are any companies, if you're watching this in your company, that if there is another summit, you'd like to be a part of it. But you don't want to work with a company you see that's in it. First of all, if you message me, I can maybe work something out. But also, the whole point of this is to bring the community together, to put aside petty stuff. Obviously, certain things aren't petty. We have no tolerance for stuff like racism, transphobia, sexism, misogyny, any of that stuff. That is an absolute no. And if any of that is shown, they aren't going to be in the tournament. And that's a fact. Like, I don't care how deep the tournament it is. I don't care how big of a fed it is. If we see that they are doing this, they aren't going to be a part of it. But... If it's something like, oh, this person stopped being active in my fed because they joined this different fed and now I don't like that fed, that I consider petty. And that I consider something where, hey, if you just sit and you talk and you hash it out, it's not that big a deal. This is virtual wrestling. This is polygons. It's it's not life or death. And I say that as someone who loves this community and loves this sort of niche with all of their heart and soul. But at the end of the day, it's video games. It's not real life. If someone likes someone else's fed more than you, that's their choice. And my hope with stuff like this is to bring together feds to the point where hopefully, you know, some people can work out their petty differences. Some people can come together and create something cool despite the fact the two feds might not like each other. And at the end of the day, that's all Summit's about. It's about bringing these companies together 
and making something really cool for the community. If you were to select a legendary figure, whether for the world of wrestling or beyond, who would that spokesperson be? And what criteria would guide your choice? Well, obviously, the if I'm picking anyone ever, it's John Cena, because he's the face of pro wrestling, and getting John Cena to shout this out would be fantastic. But that's a great question. And I think the difficulty is that the community is so big. Yes, it's a niche, but the community is so big, it's hard to find one person to talk for everyone. If I had to pick one person to be sort of a spokesperson... If I had to pick someone, I'd probably pick maybe Two Twisted Mark, who fans of Forever Movement, or I think he's in COH Wrestling now, I think may know. And he recently did this huge car community contest that brought in a bunch of people from a bunch of different feds. And I think he's got the name value, obviously, but also I think he's someone that does genuinely care about the community as a whole that doesn't want massive amounts of drama. And if I could pick one person to be, you know, the the face or the voice, uh, I might pick him. But at the end of the day, though, I like having Summit being everyone's voice as well. And if I had to choose between just word of mouth, ground roots, getting all these feds together and them promoting it, rather than, hey, we've got this big advertiser, I'd want to pick grassroots. Because that's what e-fetting and all of this is about. This isn't promoted by 2K. This isn't anything 2K ever intended to happen. I don't think 2K particularly cares about e-fetting or AI versus AI or highlight reel. I don't. At the end of the day, this community still exists. It's existed since SmackDown versus Raw, since before 2K was a part of it. And I don't know if this is the largest collaboration of e-feds. I'm not going to sit here and claim that it is. Maybe someone's done more than 44. But for something this big to just be word of mouth, to just be feds coming together and doing something cool without some massive advertisement behind it, I think that is exemplary about what this community is all about. It's about sending messages in random discords and helping people join. It's about posting stuff on YouTube and Twitch and hoping it blows up. It, that's, that's all this is about. It's about creating something and hoping people enjoy it at the end of the day. And I know people don't have that same vision as me. Some people have different visions. But at the end of the day, this is as, in my opinion, as e-fed as it gets. Getting a bunch of people together just out of pure luck. And hey, if 2K does want to retweet our stuff, if they do want to promote it, uh, I'm not going to deny it. But at the same time, I think the fact all of this is happening without major advertisements from any major players in the scene or in the community... I think that speaks a lot to what this community is all about. Have you actively pursued any potential sponsorships or partnerships for this event? Considering this is a free endeavor and you might want to explore opportunities for financial support. As much as I would love to, I think if you're going into e-fetting for the money, you're going into the wrong business. (laughs) But as for sponsors, I'm going to be real. I've been too busy with doing all this other stuff. I think I've applied to one grand tweet once but like for sponsors people want to sponsor this hey we'll we'll read your name we'll do an ad read in every match we'll put you in top eight we'll put your logo right in the center of the ring reach out but like you said i am doing all of this for free because without getting into a bit too much drama i think people that focus too much on the numbers and on the money side of things kind of lose the glory of what this is and yeah, I love. I would love if me to accept it would pay my rent. Uh, if if that could happen, I would probably break down and cry. But that's not why I'm doing this. 
And if people want to sponsor it, and if people want to, you know, get it out there, hey, hit me up on socials, hit any of my production team up. We're happy to do that. But I'm not going to sit here and, you know, fish for sponsors to try and get some kickback from them. I've got a Ko-Fi page. I think it's linked in my Twitter. If people want to give me some money, Mazel Tov. But at the end of the day, I'm doing this for the community. I'm doing this for me. First and foremost, I'm doing this because I'm a crazy bastard who likes tournaments. And at the end of the day, that, that's all I ever want this to be. Because I think if I started worrying about how many views Summit's getting, how much money I'm making, I should stop. I mean, hell, the show I don't care about the money. I have told people, hey, you can use any entrance theme you want. I don't care if it's copyrighted. As long as the video doesn't get taken down, we're fine. So I'm not even looking to make ads off these videos. It's purely passion for me. And like I said, if people want to sponsor it, my line's open. But if I don't get any sponsors, I don't get any sponsors. The the most I have in the way of sponsors is my roommate, Austin, who's been making the logo and is going to be making a really nice animated graphic. And I'm absolutely going to be shouting him out throughout of this. The sense of community in eFeds is truly unique, allowing unexpected connections. Have you had any personal experiences where someone from the virtual wrestling world became a significant part of your real life, bridging the gap between digital and physical realms? It sort of shows you how small the world it is. One of the feds I got to join this lives maybe two hours from me. So it's just sort of like, wow, what a small world we live in. But yeah, no, the community's great for as toxic as can be and as for as... It can be pretty toxic at times, but... I think the spirit of it is really pure and really good. Turning back to the tournament, in terms of providing updates and match results throughout the tournament, how do you plan on keeping the fans in the loop with the latest information? Will there be a designated platform or website for fans to easily access and stay updated on all matches and results? So as for website, not too sure about that yet. That has been something discussed amongst production. But as for keeping up to date, here is what the plan is for Summit as for uploading. We have given the, we're going to be releasing the one match at a time. Not necessarily one match a day, but like some days might have more than one. But the idea is, and feds can opt in or opt out to this, but they would get to post the match first on their channel. So if CPW is doing a match, they get to post it on their channel. And then two days later, we will have a central channel that posts all the matches. But this way, if you want to see it first and foremost, you can go to their channel. And we'll have a playlist that sends everyone to everyone's channel. But if you're trying to catch up, let's say you join the tournament halfway through, we'll have a central channel for you to keep track of everything. When the brackets get updated, so let's say when round one is done, I will be posting the updated brackets on my Twitter. Of course, with a bit of a spoiler period, but at the end of the day, the best way for people to be updated is subscribe to every channel that's a part of this, subscribe to the central channel when it happens, follow all these feds on Twitter, follow me on Twitter, and that's the best way to keep up with everything. Can you provide some insight into the anticipated timeline for the tournament, including the inspector's start date and potential end date? So at the moment, the plan is for us to start recording matches on the 16th of August. Our hope is that we will start having matches uploaded and put out to YouTube before the end of August. But as for a set start date, that's really going to depend because we don't know how long the production side of this is going to take. My hope, and I don't know how realistic this is, is that the tournament will be done by mid-October. But we don't know. This is, again, I don't know if anything of this size has truly been done before of 44 different companies coming together like this. But I I certainly don't have any sort of frame of reference is to just try and get stuff out in the best quality as possible as soon as possible. 
How much recorded footage are you dealing with for this project? Given you previously mentioned, it's quite substantial. Singles matches, let me check the thing, because we just had a vote for it. So all the matches have time limits, right? Because we, we don't want some matches just going 60 minutes in the first round. So yeah, singles matches are 20 minutes, triple threat matches are 30 minutes. If we say that's going to be the average length of each match is somewhere between 20 to 30, that means every two to three matches is going to be an hour of content. In the first round, there's going to be 32 matches per tournament. That is around 20 hours of content there. Uh, a little bit over that, actually. And then, of course, so that's the first round is 20 hours of matches. Plus, we have to edit that, put that in recording, send that to the appropriate feds. It's a lot. I am so glad I have a team to work with this, but also it's a thing of like, I would be willing to do all of this myself. But like I said, that would be next year is when we'd be done. My hope is obviously not every match is going to go the full 20 or 30, but my hope is that we will be able to get this out in a timely manner. The first round is obviously going to take the longest by a long shot, but I'm hopeful. Maybe it's naivete, but I am hopeful. Managing a project of this scale requires dedication and coordination. Could you give us a glimpse into your routine and approach to orchestrating this event, especially with your involvement with multiple CAWs? I currently have about four cars. I have more than that, but in 2K23, I only have the four. First of all, I tried to make sure that they weren't in this tournament, and they aren't. Covenant Pro Wrestling tried to submit one of mine by one of their female representatives, and I had to tell them, please no, this is going to be a nightmare in terms of trying to say things aren't me. I guess as for what I'm trying to achieve with my cause or with this, I'm just trying to have fun. I know I've been saying a lot how this is a logistical nightmare and production is going to cause my hair to fall out, but like, this is what I love to do. I love doing just over-the-top, inane, horrible ideas like this. Because it's a good idea, bringing the whole community together. Great idea. Doing it with you as the figurehead, however, a logistical nightmare. Horrible for your mental health. Finding harmony between personal life, work, and the EFED Summit can be challenging, especially considering your commitments to Covenant Pro Wrestling and the outcome demands of the Summit's production. Obviously, like I said, I work for Covenant Pro Wrestling. They are always my first priority. I will always work on that stuff before I work on any EFED Summit stuff for the week. That's just... This, that's my, I said this would be my first focus, and it is. But as for the rest, right now, a lot of what I've been doing is just messaging people and getting that stuff all together. And how that has been in terms of balancing social life is that, you know, luckily my boyfriend, he works throughout the day, and my roommate, I can spend time with him while still occasionally checking messages, sending out messages, stuff like that. As for when the actual proper production starts, that's going to be more tricky because I'm going to have to be at my laptop, be at my Xbox. But again, that's going to be around when school starts and my boyfriend goes to college, my roommate's going to college. So I'll have that balance of, okay, while they're at school, I work on this. While they're at home, I spend time with them and not neglect the people I care about. Uh, I do have a plan to sort of find that balance. Uh, how as far as that plan will work, you know, we'll see. But working on this actually has actually been great for my mental health, even if it has been stressful at times, just because I'm doing something. I am doing something big that matters, at least to me, which with how my health has been physically has been difficult to do. So it, it's been a godsend for me being able to work on this and the fact it's going so well. Your contributions have been truly remarkable. Look at this week, which CAW or CW related content has ignited your inspiration and motivation? I'll say this, first of all, my biggest inspiration in car will always be three people. Two who you've probably heard of, one who 
probably happened. A Sean Nova and 2TM, because that's who I sort of grew up watching through FAM. But the third one, Chris Princess, who he's not really in the EFED scene anymore, but he's sort of the person that made me realize I should try and step up, like just how creative and stuff EFEDing can be. As for who this week has inspired me from a content creation side of things, Premier Wrestling Network. They've recently been coming back, making new shows, and the quality of their stuff is just fantastic. If you haven't had a chance to check them out, I, I love Premier Wrestling Network, and Tommy Fenn, the guy behind it, one of the nicest people I know through. Uh, he actually, him and I have done commentary before. A- an absolute great guy to work with. I hope all the best for him and his company going forward. And yeah, no, like their company is an inspiration to make my stuff for CPW better. And those are the people that I look to when I'm like, okay, I need to think of stuff creatively for my characters. Those are the people I look to for that stuff that uh, I mentioned earlier. Your insights are valuable. When it comes to CAW game improvements, what's the most significant revelation or aha moment you've had in terms of CAW creation or show production? I think the biggest thing for me, and some people are going to disagree with me about this, because I, I have a couple answers. For production-wise, when I'm making segments, when you're making a match, continuity is important. But if you're making a quick 60-second like brawl segment, people aren't going to care as much about continuity. If a table is broken in one shot and not broken in the other, as long as it's not front center, most people won't notice. And it saves you a lot of time. I know that makes me sound like I'm lazy, but like genuinely, I know so many people that will spend 10 hours on like a 60 second backstage brawl sec because they're so perfectionist about it. And I've been able to find ways to sort of work around that. As for booking and running shows, just paying attention to how shows run in real life. The idea that I think most people when they book cards, they want to book from least important to most important, which your most important match should be the main event. But you also need to keep in mind, just like real life, people are going to get tired. I think my biggest example of this, if you remember, I'm not sure if you watch AEW, but at AEW All Out one year, they had CM Punk's Return to Wrestling, Big Show versus QT Marshall, and then Kenny Omega versus Christian Cage in the main event. If you had done the CM Punk return and then the Kenny Omega match, people would have been dead for the main event. But because you had kind of a less important match in the middle there, you were able to get some leeway. You're able to calm the fans down a little bit for a match that really is just meant to be quick and not matter super much. Obviously, the difficulty with that in EFEDs is that everyone wants their match to be the main event. Everyone wants their match to matter. But as a booker, you have to find those opportunities to make those sacrifices. Your individuality shines through in your approach. While we often look to real-life figures for inspiration, I'm curious if there's any specific elements within your booking philosophy that you develop purely from your own experience and insights without being heavily influenced by established bookers or their patterns. Well, that's the thing, is that I, in a similar way to with me being a commentator, I don't want to imitate too many commentators because at that point, I'm just being them and I'm just trying my best to do their commentary, but it's never going to be good because I'm just trying to be them. As for real-life bookers, honestly, I don't really have many inspirations, and that's not me trying to be a narcissistic about it. It's just sort of a thing of like, okay, I could follow these booking patterns, but there are just as many people that don't like these booking patterns as those that do, so I might as well do my own thing, because at least then if people hate it, I can take that feedback and change it, rather than trying to stay to a formula. If I had to say a type of booking that I like the most, 
it's New Japan's, because I love tournaments. And a lot of their booking revolves around who beats who in certain tournaments. And now is not the great time to say this, because obviously the G1 has been happening, and people have not been happy with the booking of the G1. But typically, it's a really good way to set up your calendar. And I think if I had to say pick one that I like the most, or I find inspiration, it's that. But I usually just try and do my own thing. Your perspective on staying true to your own style and not necessarily adhering to the patterns of stylish figures is admirable. Speaking of success, how do you define it for yourself as a booker, commentator, and content creator? I hope people enjoy it, and if they don't enjoy it, I must have done something wrong. That, that's sort of just my only real philosophy. I don't care about numbers. I don't care about, oh, this many people stopped watching after this part of the video. I don't care. If someone comes to me and says that they like something, I know I did something right. If someone comes to me and says they didn't like something, I know I did something wrong. For me, success is that black and white. It is that simple as if people like it, no matter how many people like it, I did good. Your dedication to the community and the Summit Tournament is truly evident. Looking ahead, what message would you like to convey to the audience as they anticipate the upcoming airing of the tournament? And what exciting aspects should fans be looking forward to? If you're a fan of this, thank you. Please follow my Twitter. I promise I'll only retweet trans and Pikmin memes occasionally. I'll stay on wrestling. But no, like, do your best to get involved. We're actually going to be opening the Discord server up to fans once we start the recording process. For now, we want to keep it just showrunners and entrance because we still have to get everything together. It, it keeps everything condensed and easy. But after that, we're going to open up to everybody. And we want people in there. We want you guys to rep the companies you want to rep. We want you guys to cheer on the companies. We're going to open up a channel for friendly trash talk between companies, between fans, because that's fun. The best feud in the history of wrestling, and I'll stand by this, is ROH versus CCW in 2005, because those companies legitimately didn't want the other ones to win. And those fans legitimately had beef. And I want that. I, I don't want it to get toxic. There's a certain line. That's why I said friendly trash talk. But I want people to come in to support the people they want to support. And that will make this seem like such a living, breathing thing. People listening, if you're not a part of Summit, you still are. This is a community thing. And soon you will have your chance to make this so much, to breathe so much life into this that wouldn't be there without you. Also, if you want to help support this, don't just follow me, but if you see channels that are a part of this, follow them on Twitter, subscribe to them on YouTube, follow them on Twitch or Kick or wherever they stream. If they look interesting, join their Discord, try and be a part of their Fed. This is all about helping, you know, raise all of the ships with a rising tide. And we hope you show up, we hope you watch all of it or as much as you want. We're making this for you. As for extra content, listen, only eight people from each bracket are going to make it to the final weekend but we are going to have extra matches for you guys that i don't even know what we're gonna have yet but we're gonna try and get all 44 companies represented in the final weekend or i will die trying all of this doesn't happen without your guys' support supporting your companies supporting the other companies the best thing people can do to help follow subscribe retweet like get the word out we want this on every corner of the internet and if anyone's listening that is from 2k hit me up i'm doing a bunch of stuff for your community give us a my faction weekend <laughs> you know something but no stay tuned the best is yet to come we're still in pre-production and when production starts we hope you'll all be there with us when it comes to sharing and spreading the word about the summit are there any specific hashtags that you recommend or that you want the community to use whatever you see other people use you guys use because obviously i'm a little cagey about the idea of using hashtag efed summit because there's people that did that before. Hashtag Summit, well, that's just going to get you World Peace Summit and all this other stuff. But EFED Summit, hashtag Call Summit, hashtag World EFED Summit, whatever you want to do to get the word out there, do it. 
And if something happens organically, that's even better. That's more than I could hope for. If listeners want to connect with you or have any inquiries about the summit, where can they find you on social media? Yeah, so at Sophie Adams underscore 01 on Twitter. And I'm sure if you follow Harden the Larry on Twitter, you'll see my tag somewhere on there. And that's sort of the main area where you'll be finding a lot of the news that comes up. And on there, when we have a central channel, that is where we'll be promoting it. So once you see that, please subscribe to that. And if people want to get in touch with me on Discord, I believe it's the same. It's just Sophie Adams underscore, and you could find me on there. I- I'm always open to questions. Obviously, we're closed for registration, but if people want to sponsor, if they want to help out in any way, you know, my line's open. Well, Sophie, thank you for being on Pardon the Lariat and telling the creation story of the Summit Tournament. I'm really excited, like I said, to finally get started. This has been a lot of the calm before the storm. I'm ready for the rain to fall. This concludes another session of Pardon the Lariat. Pardon the Lariat is hosted and produced by Ryan Grapon. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to tag Pardon the Lariat on social media with a screenshot of what you enjoyed most about this episode. Be sure to follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcast app of your choice. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Those things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening.